Hey everyone, this is the uh, Nips and Sips podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about high ankle sprains or seismic ankle sprains. Uh, but before I get into this, let me just pass this off to my partner in crime, Dr. Brandon Cruz. Uh, how's it going, Dr. Brandon? Doing well, dear. Thanks for the introduction. Appreciate you leading the way as always. Uh, got a gorgeous uh, Tuesday here. Uh, looking forward to kind of uh, I guess finishing up what we started with our last podcast about ankle sprains, uh, as you said, we're going to be talking about the high ankle sprain or the syndesmotic joint uh, ankle sprain. And uh, it's probably going to be a little short of a podcast. Uh, I think we covered a lot of things, but I know we didn't um, get a lot of time to uh, touch upon this one. So we, we kind of made it its own own podcast, but uh, it's going to be a little shorter. Uh, I'll go into drinks. I, I'm back with my cracking uh, backs and dropping facts. So we'll, dro- we'll be dropping facts today. Uh, I have yeah. my, um, my new my new drink, my uh, Noble Oak, which I am liking thoroughly. So that's what I'm drinking here today. Uh, Jerry, what do you got today? Uh, today's uh, this is actually be a, been a beer I've been holding on to for a while. I've had a couple of these, uh, but I was like, oh, it would be nice to get this one on a podcast. It's from a uh, Honor Brewing Company. Uh, and it's a line of sight lager. Uh, so it's, they have a really cool theme. They seem to be a uh, maybe veteran owned or um, of that nature. Uh, pretty decent lager. I've had a lot of IPs and everything like that. So to get a lager, it's pretty refreshing. Um, so there we go. Drinking out my core three cup, which is kind of cool. A newer brewery by, uh, by us down here in South Jersey. A lot of breweries down by you. Yeah, there's got to be. I don't know, at least, I don't know, 10 within uh, just a couple miles. So, but uh, yeah, this is kind of just a refreshing lager. Um, I give it a solid 6.8. 6.8, all right. Dropping down a little lower than what you've been uh, ranking. Yeah, and that's just my preference. I do like lagers, but, um, you know, I don't usually go for them unless it's something I'm going to be drinking a lot of. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty good. Nice. I see you have the uh, throwback uh, Pursuit PT shirt on, repping, oh, yeah. repping my company, and that's the uh, original shirt right there. Is that the, is it the original? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What do you have on the back? Uh, it's just, I think it's white. Yeah. Yep. 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 That was the, the OG original. The first shirt I got. I got those. Those were supposed to be a heather blue. It looks a little grayish, but heather I blue. Like it. Um, and then the second one was the gray t-shirt and then mm. I went back to a navy blue by Nike for my third t-shirt and now I'm actually wrapping up those so I need to I might go to the high elite ones next so oh, yeah man. you got the, the first gen right there yeah I was looking through all mine I was like organizing all my business t-shirts and had a couple from yours and uh, uh, this one came out I was like ooh, I got the blue one I got the gray I got all three so I'm a lucky man you are all right let's uh let's get started with the, this uh this episode and enough uh enough talking here uh jer i want you to uh i guess just kind of lead the way out here because i i know you uh you're in the sports fellowship manual therapy program uh you probably see more athletes than i do so i guess just in, in your experience do you see this a lot um if so are they coming to you direct access are they not um if they are what are you looking for to differentiate between uh, you know, a high ankle sprain versus a regular ankle sprain or, or possibly even like a, a knee injury or a fracture. What's your, your differential diagnosis um, for this type of injury as um, I guess it can be a little tricky. Yeah, uh, definitely not 
as common as your classic lateral ankle sprain or seeing people with chronic ankle instability, instability like we talked about last time. Um, but I have had a handful of those. I've, it's, I was talking before the show is um, I've had a handful of people who had a concomitant uh, high ankle sprain with when they were just diagnosed with a lateral ankle sprain and almost vice versa. It was like they're diagnosed with a high ankle sprain but didn't really present like it. Um, so yeah, I've had only a couple throughout, uh, my career, uh, fortunately, because it does take, uh, it's takes a lot more to kind of, um, bother that syndesmotic tissue. Um, so the rehab's a little bit longer. Um, they're usually, I can't say I've had many via direct access. Um, if it's the case, whether it was a proper diagnosis or not, they were seeing a, uh, I guess an ortho first. Uh, simply, I assume so it's going to be a little bit more painful, a lot more difficulty bearing weight or kind of propelling or pushing off uh, off of kind of a loaded dorsiflexion position. Uh, so pretty much when in, in the cases where I have seen it, um, you know, this is a good, uh, I'll, I'll put up the article first for anyone who's interested. Is that actually athletic training article? And maybe that's why we don't see as many because it uh, falls under the scope of athletic training. Uh, oh, and while I'm at it, let me make sure you can share whatever you want to share. We're getting better at it. Yep, yep, we're, we're on top of it. Uh, so re it's simple uh, rehabilitation of the seismic high ankle sprains by Williams and uh, Allen. Uh, so really just a good, um, basic, uh, if you're not familiar with this, uh, this type of diagnosis, it's a really good outline of what to look for, both the examination, um, and kind of in a basic way, how to highlight the phases from acute to subacute to, uh, to chronic. Uh, but if you kind of go through it and everything like that, they show the kind of like potential clinical pattern. Uh, something that I saw initially with one of my clients, again, was more that we expect swelling um, and bruising post a, any serious type of ankle sprain. But most of the time when you have that lateral ankle sprain, it kind of just hangs out just you know, kind of a uh, distal and uh, posterior to the lateral malleoli and kind of like encircling around it versus those high ankle sprains as you see in this picture. Um, you can see a little more swelling, more superiorly, and more toward the, that syndesmosis. Um, so that's kind of one telltale sign. Um, the person we had wasn't to a point where they had like that bruising, but it was definitely more tender. And I think they had like slight, um, like pitting edema in this in this area uh, versus more so below. Um, so there certain things that I look for. We still apply like the auto ankle rules uh, as a good way to determine if they need a fracture because sometimes fractures go undiagnosed uh, during first imaging in the ER. Really depends on where you're going in the ER. Uh, South Jersey, um, if you go to local hospitals, it's like you're know, batting 500. That's why I say if it's anything serious, go to the to the bigger cities. <laughs> um, especially with like kid fractures and stuff, unfortunately. Uh, so we use that um, both in the knee and ankle to kind of make sure nothing was missed. Um, we actually had a, a client who's getting seen by my resident, Justin, um, 
and she was in for knee pain, but she tripped over her dog recently and she's on blood thinners. Um, and her ankle was, you know, purple all the way from here on up. And, you know, she walked into the, to the clinic and said she had no issues um, walking or anything that day, oh, like the day that she came in, but the day before she had some difficulty walking and I was trying to like help Justin kind of go through that process of understanding that auto ankle rolls is, you know, he was like, I think I should send her out just for, you know, you know, because it was tender. Potentially that may be the case in that posterior lateral tip of the, of the lateral malleoli, but is that really warrant a, a true referral out? Um, if she was walking on it, those sort of things, uh, she seemed like she had a good gait pattern. You know, I expect things to be pretty sore when everything's kind of bruised up. So just kind of help them walk through it. Uh, but to go through it, these are the big kind of tests I'll do uh, to kind of rule in a, a high ankle sprain. The big one is the external rotation test um, is, is probably the, the biggest one I'll perform. Um, and also the squeeze test. Uh, so they, they go into those. Um, I haven't done the taping. Uh, I've done taping of like the lower ankle, but I haven't done this quite yet. I just didn't feel the need to, but just going into more about this article, these are some basic guidelines of how to kind of progress these people. But again, as you see, very basic, not specific at all. But that's kind of how I kind of approach it. You know, again, a good article. Um, but what about you, Brandon? I feel like I talked a little bit. Yeah, so um, just uh, so everybody could see, and the, the, I have the, the test uh, pulled up here and what they look like. And so uh, this is that test you were talking about, that first one. And I, I had said Kliger's test or Kliger, where you're, you're adding that dorsiflexion and external rotation. Where, um, and, and that's basically the mechanisms of injury. So this test kind of recreates that. Um, and, you know, these people who, who have it, you know, they're not going to let you get very far into it because it's going to hurt. Um, yeah. So, you know, mechanism of injury, I think that's always huge too. Um, so I just want to touch upon that, Jer. You know, yeah. uh, Contact sports, um, we see it a lot in football. Uh, you know, if you guys are out there, audience watches football, uh, Gronk had it. You know, they rushed him to surgery. Obviously, it's a, a little bit different professional sports because, um, you know, they're trying to get – they only have, you know, 16 games in the playoffs. So, they're, they're trying to get people back as fast as possible. And this probably takes a good – what would you say, Jared? Two, two to four months, um, if not longer, to really yeah. – recover from. Um, and even then, you know, at that two month mark, you're probably going back a little earlier than expected. Uh, so don't go by what the professional athletes do. They're getting paid millions of dollars to uh, put their body on the line. Uh, mm -hmm. Other sports would be like uh, hockey um, or anything where like your, your foot or ankles kind of like in a boot uh, and in those contact sports, maybe baseball, Depending on a slide, you might get something like that, but you probably end up fracturing it before that anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, but those are your typical mechanisms uh, of injury. Increased dorsiflexion with the eversion component. Uh, a fibular stress test, which is basically like mobilizing the, the distal fibular uh, component there, uh, which is going to stress that uh, interosseous membrane. Uh, and then the last test would be that syndromatic squeeze, which um, you talked about there. Yeah. Uh, as you can see here at the bottom, the... Psychometrics are, are lacking, though, within that test. Um, 
but it does reproduce reproduce pain there. Um, mm. So that's kind of what we're looking at with that. And then, yeah, I, I haven't had too much, uh, again, direct access. It, it's usually that they've been in a boot. They're maybe coming to me within that first week or two if we're lucky. Um, I know back in when I could, I would dry needle that syndesmotic joint or where the interosseous membrane is. So you're taking, I was taking a long needle, probably a, a, a 60 or maybe a 0.75 uh, length needle, which is about uh, three, two, two and a half, three inches long, three and a half inches long. Um, so you get there and I would stim it um, and just kind of get, uh, you know, trying to restore everything, get some biochemical mediators in there, kind of flush out some swelling and increase some blood flow, um, decrease some pain and swelling that way. Uh, that was one thing I did. Uh, but yeah, other than that, we're, we're basically just kind of focusing on the impairments. Uh, mm -hmm. This is an impairment uh, driven, uh, I guess, pathology where you, you want to bring them on slowly, uh, you know, with non-weight bearing, some neuromuscular control, uh, and then progress them into weight bearing and then obviously into the return to sport um, type things. Uh, because this is a, usually a contact injury, I find there to be less um, impairments proximally. You know, in the, the last episode we talked a lot about regional interdependence and hip strengthening and, you know, looking at the core and the obliques and, and pelvic and all that good stuff or pelvis. But uh, in this one, since it's a contact injury, um, typically those athletes are strong and they're trying to resist falling and being tackled. Um, and it led to, you know, that ankle kind of, being torqued and leveraged because, uh, because of that. Uh, now some of the things you probably want to consider are what, what I guess weaknesses or imbalances, quote unquote imbalances, uh, have occurred because they've been in a boot for, you know, mm -hmm. two, four, six weeks or however long, uh, they're in. Yeah. Or some of these like imbalances, you know, uh, come to light, I guess, per se, afterwards. And let's say if there was any imbalances, um, whether it may be hip weakness or, you know, a dynamic, you know, pes planus or, or anything like that, that could be exacerbating the pain because of those imbalances. A lot of things come to, to light, you know, after the injuries and those sort of things. So it'd be good to address those so it's not – their poor mechanics elsewhere may, you know, cause more forces to kind of go through that syzymotic tissue and not allowing it to heal because it's constantly getting poked at more than it needs to. Um, so, yeah, and then overall just addressing those impairments. Um, unless it's sometimes like a landing injury and they kind of like, they're like landing on someone's foot or something like that and it kind of got forced in that excessive dorsiflexion eversion yeah. Um, that's when maybe you can have, you know, poor mechanics or something more proximally, but yeah, as a, as you're alluding to is like, again, this is more of a trauma based sort of thing versus a, you know, no one gets a chronic overuse high ankle sprain or something of that nature. It's usually, you know, happens as a result of the sport. So yeah. Um, as yeah, I mean, after those cam boots and those sort of things, uh, as we kind of talked about last time, I felt, you know, you take anyone who's even healthy and put them in those boots long enough, they're going to develop impairments, stiffnesses, and those need to be addressed or their mechanics won't ever be the same, at least in my opinion. But um, 
that's a uh, is the uh, dry needling uh, painful for that process? I got I can't. I I haven't done it. I haven't I haven't dry needled. I can't wait for you to take that course. Not like you'll be able to use it, but I know you're in your, your fellowship and you'll you'll have the ability to learn dry needling there. Um, yeah, I had different, um, I guess, I guess feedback from, from patients. Uh, really part of it depends on, on the patient's tolerance. Um, achiness was the biggest thing, like a dull, deep achiness, um, especially initially once you kind of got it going. Cause I had it hooked up to the stem, so I wasn't, I wasn't like trigger pointing them. Um, okay. it, you know, once they kind of get used to it, it, it feels good and kind of helps pump some things out. Um, and just kind of. I'm using of the the mindset, and if you read a, a Shah's article in in 2015, not 2015, 2005, um, you know he's really talking about the bowel uh, chemical mediators, uh, macrophages, blood supply, circulation, pH level, all those things that uh, improve with uh, the insertion of a needle. So I would approach it from that. Like I'm just trying to facilitate healing. I'm trying to obviously that interosseous membrane was ripped apart or torn apart um as well as the what the atfl and the ptfl um you know that area has been traumatized i'm trying to bring some blood flow uh, and healing factors into that area to help expedite healing you know does it uh doesn't necessarily speed it up maybe you know i didn't i didn't you know run a study on it but it, it didn't hurt uh with it and if anything it would help with pain and then, you know, like we talked about last um, last podcast on ankle sprains, I'm still trying to address any impairments or, or foot uh, mobility issues or even strength issues within being able to maintain an arch, maintain an arch, or maybe working on that midfoot or navicular mobility, uh, assessing that cuboid. Um, because this is a trauma impact uh, or trauma injury, uh, and I believe you mentioned it before, really differential diagnosing between a fracture, uh, whether it's an Ottawa anchor rule, um, or even something higher, like an actual break in the, the um, mid shaft of the fibula, um, or you know tibia, which would take a lot of force, but it's happened. Um, you know that's where you want to really make sure if you are on the front line, if you're a PT who has their SCS and works a lot of on-field coverage, you know that's something you want to look at as well. Yeah, and as you mentioned, when you did these and did then those things. Um, especially in the acute, um, you know, high ankle sprain, a lot of them are non-weight bearing. Uh, so that's a time to be able to do those sort of things uh, to really just, you know, decrease pain, decrease sensitivity, um, you know, modulate the tissues and everything like that. No better time to do that sort of stuff when you're limited about what you can do exercise wise. So uh, I always say that sort of stuff with, you know, post-op shoulders or anything like that, where they're, they don't have an active phase or anything like that. Do all your manual therapies, set yourself up for success, invest now while the patient can, you know, only do a couple exercises on their own, or if they're like mindless exercises, they can do on their, at, at home and really invest on setting them up where they don't have a lot of pain uh, right from the get-go. So I think that's great that you did that. So, uh, yeah, one day, one day we'll get dry kneeling back. So, um, sure. but, uh, yeah, I guess progressing into exercises or anything like that. Um, is there anything specifically you 
try and do for high ankle sprains in comparison to your standard ankle sprains or is it just purely impairment-based approach tree as you go sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that there's a go-to exercise or, or anything that I, I focus on. Um, I'm looking at the impairments. Uh, obviously, want to work on proprioception, uh, leg strength in general. Confidence is probably the biggest thing, um, making sure that that uh, patient is comfortable landing, um, decelerating, uh, and then exploding out of that position. Um, I'd say that's the biggest thing with the, these athletes there that they're maybe more mentally concerned. At, you know, is their their ankle um, or leg strong enough, or can it tolerate something like that? Um, I, I mean, at that point, they're probably better off with a break. I mean, a, a, an ankle break, they're probably mm -hmm. back in you know four or six weeks or something like that if they're young enough. Uh, so I, I don't, on my side, you know, I don't say there's like definitely, you know, one exercise that you need to do. I think it's a lot of the stuff we talked about before, uh, you know, addressing your impairments and, and performing your single leg stuff, performing your, your, your hop test to make sure there, there, there's some symmetry there, uh, performing your lunges and your squats and your RDLs and your single leg RDLs and, and things like that um, on my side. But I also just try and keep it simple and not complex and, and don't overthink it. It's, um, you know, sometimes my rehabilitation programs can be boring. It's you're doing the same thing and you're coming and we're just going to progress you each time, whether it's another set, another rep, uh, a different variable, um, you know, whether it's a kettlebell, a barbell, a dumbbell, uh, I'm, I'm challenging your system that way. What about you, Jer? Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I would say, I mean, anecdotally, again, I haven't seen a ton of these. Um, maybe they've, you know, just looking at like proprioception or ability to balance, balance with their eyes closed sort of things that they overall may struggle more than your classic lateral ankle sprain, more because it's required, it's higher trauma, higher shock to the area more swelling which is de going to decrease you know muscle activation if it's if it's enough um and this probably you know more prolonged non-weight bearing phase so i may see uh, maybe a little bit more of that um so i may implement more balancing stuff but probably you know again it's what i see you know i'm going to give it to them um and then overall you know try and get them when they're appropriate, get into some higher level strength and conditioning to kind of fortify those, uh, the interosseous membrane and those sort of things. Cause it is a, between the, you know, tibia and the fibula, you know, weight bearing, um, joint. So, uh, that's pretty just to kind of, you know, make sure it's not happening again. Luckily I haven't seen, I know in the, obviously as we talked about in the NFL, I think I'm pretty sure Gronk, struggled with his high ankle sprain yeah i believe he got um, surgery i mean that was i think I mean, he like did five ten years ago seven years ago but yeah um, he had yeah i think he, he was used to rush back pretty quick yeah. the first time um so luckily i haven't really seen too many reoccurrences uh so that's always a good good sign um i feel like last season there was a bunch who had the who, who had a high ankle sprain last year and he came, oh, um, Saquon. Saquon had a high ankle sprain. And he came back remarkably quicker. It's one of these right. classic things. Like we're three, gonna, or three, weeks? three or four weeks. But what was his, as someone who who drafted him? And, yeah, um, I drafted and traded him. So I'm a little bit. Oh, you lucky bastard. Plus, I'm a Cowboy fan in Giant Land over here. 
and I kind of mm. came back and bit me. I think I traded him for Zeke, though, so I was kind of happy. Oh, so but he, there still you go. Mon- he still had a monster year, though, Saquon. It wasn't that great. Like, for his most – in most leagues, he was drafted first overall. I was first overall. I was yeah. like, all right, I'll, I'll draft yeah. him. He's young. Uh, but his performance definitely took a drop right afterwards. He came back, and it wasn't until maybe, like, the last week or two where he really started to heat up. Um, I can pull up those stats. But, yeah, he he came back remarkably quick and – I'm sure he's going to be a reference for years to come, like Adrian Peterson has been referenced for the ACL. But he definitely he definitely wasn't the same person when he came back. Well, um, one, he's also like 20-something. Two, I pulled up the stat real quick because he had a pretty good year last year. He uh, Last year, he rushed for over 1,000 yards. Yeah. And in 2018, he rushed for 1,300 yards. So he only missed it by 300 yards. And he missed like four games. What was so, his yards per game? Um, yards per I game know. after that first first couple, or after he came back? Like in depth metrics here. I don't have. That. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I remember I was I was a little disappointed <laughs> in him last. Not that I'm disappointed because you know he uh, yeah. he got hurt or anything like that. But uh, whoops. Um, but uh. Maybe for another uh, podcast, we'll break that down. Yeah, but um, I felt like he just wasn't uh, he wasn't uh, running as well as he was. But obviously, you know, he's coming back from a pretty significant injury and remarkable. Their their team also sucked. They stacked the box against so, them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. Next Have year you seen the videos of him? What, which is at? yeah. Yeah, dude, is, the quads are the size of my torso. That's amazing. Like, uh, somebody once messaged me that like, I want quads like that. What do I gotta do? <laughs> like, yeah, you need a. That's God's case, gift to the world. <laughs> in your case, you might need some extra help. Yeah, just do legs for a month and a half, two, three, right. or two years. But um, yeah, back on on track there um yeah i think we we covered a lot of things i don't know if there's anything else uh you feel that we should recommend to the to the viewers out there brandon when it comes to uh since ankle sprints no i'm actually looking this up here sorry oh look uh, up. <laughs> his stats here yeah so he had some uh rough games there because i remember they had a bye mm-hmm then that helped him out because he extended. Three, yeah, that kind of helped him come back. But then he only had like 72 yards, then 64, 28, one yard. Yep. And, and he had some – he had like 66, 112, 89, 189, and 92. So those last yeah. three games he came out stronger. So, so exactly. you're right. Yeah. You're right. So, right. so, so he, he came back early and it took him about another month, month and a half to really – you know, get it back going. So, yeah. um, so that was in 13 games. He had, a, he had, uh, it's still a good season, but 13 games. Anyway, yeah. we digress. That, <laughs> I, that covers it for today. Um, I think we touched on, on all the points. So, but if anyone has any questions, please, please feel free to, uh, message us or, or DM us or reach out to us in any way, shape or form. I will let Jeremy handle that. Cause, uh, he normally does. And is much better. <laughs> than I am. 
Yeah, feel free to reach out to us at uh, Manips and Sips. We're on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I'm at The Decent Doctor and at Traffic the Therapeutics. And Brandon's at Pursue PT Now and at Think Like a Fellow. Um, yeah, uh, thanks for listening in, everyone. And, uh, you yeah, know, cheers. Sounds good, guys. Cheers.